Hey, welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. This is the 48th episode. I'm your host, Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And on the 48th episode of the show, we have Carlin Hudson, a director that has done a lot of really cool things. She has a feature premiering at Austin Film Festival. She has a series that premiered at South by Southwest. She worked with Richard Linklater on a bunch of things. And she is just all around super interesting to talk to. Yeah, I think she's got a ton of great insight about moving from her hometown of Austin, Texas to Los Angeles, how you take a really great career in your hometown and transfer it into LA. It's great for people who are curious about making that leap themselves. So I think it's another great one. Because it was such a great conversation, we went a little longer than normal. So we figured let's go ahead and cut out our catch up this week. So tune in next week to find out what Oren and I have been working on lately. And we're going to jump straight into it. This is our conversation with Carlin Hudson. Okay, so hey, we're here with Carlin Hudson. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Sure. So you are a director. You direct commercials, digital series. Mm-hmm. Have you done any movies? Yeah, my feature is premiering in a oh, month. Right, right. Hey, congrats. I <laughs> didn't know that. You didn't? Yeah. No. It's my first feature. At Austin Film Festival. Yeah. Yeah, great festival. Yeah, That's tomorrow awesome. we're finishing, the, we're watching it one more time and exporting. I just got a little like contact high off that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I just got excited for you. That's really Thank incredible. You. Yeah. It's exciting. It's been such a long journey that I'm not totally excited yet. Right. But I will be, I think. I'll be excited. It's yeah. kind of, I'm kind of nervous. Sure. Your first you know? feature. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Austin's a great festival. So it is. Like, you're already bona fide. Austin's the right? one that has like the screenwriting competition that people mm-hmm. care about. Right? Huge. I mean, like, the, like I'm already signed up for a masterclass with Paul Feig and Katie Dippold doing like a, a Ghostbusters script to screen and like the creeds. It's amazing. Like the, the guests at Austin Film Festival are amazing. Yeah. And Craig Mazin and John August. Always yeah. Happen. Always. Oh, the, script notes. Guys. Yeah. The inspiration mm-hmm. for... Uh, director notes. Yeah. <laughs> What's this called? <laughs> director <Cut> notes. notes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I guess just real quick before we dive into your feature and all the stuff you're working on now, mm-hmm. what's your... You went to UT Austin, right? Film school. Yeah. I, I went to NYU for acting first. Okay. Undergrad. Mm-hmm. And then... Are you Texan though? You're from I'm Texas? I'm a Texan. I'm from a place called Seguin, Texas. Oh. A very small town. Cool. Is there a U in that? Yeah. It's spelled S-E-G-U-I-N. Okay. People like called and said sequin. Yeah, it would have been no. like segwine. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. When cool. I was growing up, it was like maybe sixteen thousand people. Now it's like twenty. Oh wow! On the up and up. On the up and up. So you went to NYU for acting, and yeah. then were you involved in film at all while you were doing that? No, I mean honestly, I I went to New York for the first time because I was going to be a rocket, and I was for had real? Scott for real. I was a very serious dancer my whole life, and I got a scholarship to study with the Rockettes, so I was one of three women. Who was like a paid Yeah, because most women have trouble getting jobs with the Rockettes. Right? Yeah, so I went there in the summers during high school and studied with them. And so that was my like first plan. But then I thought, never mind, I'm going to go to acting school. I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be famous. And so then I, went, I got into NYU and was like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to school here. And then I didn't like acting. Were you in the... Tish. But they have like experimental yeah. and then kind of more standard. Yeah. I was, traditional. Thank you. I was in uh, the Adler School. Stella mm-hmm. Adler School. So that's traditional. Yeah. I mean, there's... When you audition, they place you in one of, I think, five. So you audition and then they're like, we think it's like Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah they source you. Be. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. So you were a Ravenclaw, basically. Yes, the smartest. Yeah. Yeah. A couple things happened. I realized I didn't want to be an actor. 
also it's just it's one of those programs that you have to just totally commit and actually sophomore year there's this girl who I will not name but she started this rumor because I told her in secret that I was having doubts about being an actor and so she started this rumor and Stella Adler like and so people would come up to him whispering and be like I heard you might not want to be an actor anymore and I was like no who said that? No, I, you know, it's just like weird. And w- were people vying for your spot? Like it's, it's competitive to be it's in those programs. So is it like, oh man, if she leaves, my roommate can finally take over. Or I something don't know. Like it's that, just this like, kind of weird, like, oh, you gave up. Like, well, I'm sure yeah. like, I would imagine the teachers and the faculty, like that people, NYU is like a known theater school that people yeah. are like, hey, hey, send us some of your students, recommend some actors to us. Yeah. And yeah. if you're against your fellow students, you know. Right. And right. you know one of them doesn't really want it. You don't want them to. Yeah. Um, right. If someone's given up, then you get to like, you know, get the lead in the spring show or whatever. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. There's that. And then uh, the kind of noticing what parts were available to women. And I was al- I was almost always cast as a stripper or a prostitute. And I thought. This doesn't seem right. Like, why are there? Why are that like a third of the roles available to women are those two things? And if not that, it's like a wife or a girlfriend. There's like a few great roles, but um, I was tired of that. And then the big thing was my mother got a six months to live cancer diagnosis, but she lived. But anyways, I I decided to move back to Texas. I took a leave of absence from NYU, and then I never went back. And then I transferred to UT and applied to film school. Because my cousin was making, he owned a commercial production company in Austin, and we were like smoking pot one night. And he said, You should go to film school. And I was like, Yeah, sure. Not doing anything else. So I really ended up in film school on total accident. That's actually just the essay that you wrote to get into UT Austin. I can't right? imagine what my essay said. It's probably like, Well, I was going to do gender studies or film. Seemed like I could get a job maybe in film. So here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Gender studies is the one <laughs> thing you can study that will get you less jobs. Than I know. Film. I know. It could be a philosophy major. That's right. Yeah. My parents were just like, we aren't going to help you pay for rent anymore if you don't go to school. So I was like, yes, I'm going to UT. <laughs> and it was great. I mean, I, I totally am so glad that I went to UT film school. It was awesome. I mean, you went there at the right time, right? Yeah. Like it basically... Richard Linklater and Robert Rodriguez and mm-hmm. whoever else, Wes Matthew McConaughey. And- Wes Anderson went there as well, right? He did, yeah. but I think yeah. he was a philosophy major. He, he I guess was, I don't think of Wes. Speaking of philosophy majors. Yeah. I don't think of him as like like a huge part of the Austin film scene. Though, yeah, right? yeah. because yeah, I think he's like lived in Paris now. Yeah, he's yeah. too cool. But there's these like film superstars when you the were Duplass going to school there. Oh, yeah, were, the Duplass um, brothers. They were there for a long time and they, I know Jay somewhat through that scene. And then I worked with this director named Andrew Bajowski who's like a, Super well-known indie film director. Yeah, you produced. I one produced of his Computer movies. Chess. Yeah, or co-produced. Oh, yeah, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thank yeah, you. I know. When yeah. I met Carlin, I met her at this directors meetup that we have on occasion because you know directors don't really meet each other because you only need one per set. <laughs> Though I want to talk about your show with two directors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In a minute, but um, yeah, you were just like so humble because we all introduced ourselves and you were like, yeah, you know, I just moved to LA and direct some stuff. And then, like, all these things bubbled up about all these things you've done. Oh, and I'm like, thanks. holy cow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing very about... accomplished. Oh, thank you. I don't... Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but it's nice to be reminded. You know, I think starting a career in Austin, I was just given access to things that I don't know if I would have done in L.A. or New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, when I... The summer after I graduated, I got hired on Computer Chess as a production coordinator. And hired meaning I got $500 
for the summer. <laughs> right. And I like begged my parents, like, please help me pay my rent for one more summer. Mm-hmm. And then in September, I will get a job. Uh, and they were like, and I was like, I believe in this guy. Like, I think he's, this could be big. And they were like, this sounds like such a crazy movie. And I was like, it's going to be great. You guys were both right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now when my mom tries to watch the film, she's tried three times. <laughs> and every time she goes, you know, Carl and I put it on. It's a documentary. I'm like, no, mother, it's not a documentary. She goes, well, it is. I'm like, no, it's not. It just looks like a documentary. Just to, like, catch people up. Give yeah, us a yeah. little bit of context for the film. Of computer chess? Yeah, yeah. So, Computer Chess is set in 1979, 1980, and it is about kind of like the precursor to Deep Blue. So, it's like about computers playing... The famous computer. Yeah, it's about computers playing chess against each other. And this, there wasn't even a script. There actually one scene was scripted, but it was a 10-page document that we all worked. It was a very low budget. We shot in this motel in Austin that was a... Very sketchy because we needed a hotel that looked like 1979, mm-hmm, and we right. shot on these old Sony cameras. That uh, those were like the biggest divas of the whole set because there were only three left in the world. And they're like black and white doesn't even really yeah. Explain Have you seen it, it man? I uh, it's on no. Netflix. It is on Netflix. That's true. Mm-hmm. I remember it was at Cine Family or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it won a jury prize at Sundance. And yeah, it was like super buzzy there. Yeah, for a while. yeah, yeah. And is tonally. Very unique, we'll yeah. say, right? Like, yeah. it, it's to call it a mockumentary isn't exactly right. Yeah, right? It's, it's no, I, it's, it's, I guess it's, it was considered a, an intellectual comedy or something. Yeah. It's one of, it was termed it's one like of those bone things. Bone dry. Yes. Okay, so the computers play chess versus other computers. Wow. And we have something new this year. We have a lady who is competing way in the back corner. There she is. If all computers can do is calculate, then what is artificial intelligence? Computers are getting smaller, they're getting better, they're getting faster. It's a matter of time before we beat people with these things. I'd be willing to bet that you and I are the only ones here who even understand that programming has a feminine side. I would love to stay in your room if you have an extra bed. It's a couples group. I don't know if you've ever done any encounter stuff or anything like that. Look deep within me to find what is inside you and we cast real programmers and real there was there was so, so it's like kind of two plots it's like the computer programmers and then these hippie group therapy people and the group therapy people were actors and then the computer guys were just normal tech guys that we found yeah wild yeah and andrew's what, amazing what did he say that made you think this guy has something special uh one of the producers convinced me because I was producing a bunch of graduate films at UT because at first I didn't know I wanted to be I wasn't sure if I could even be a director so I started producing just because I was like I can do this I can get shit done and I just knew that his other movies had premiered like Berlin and South by Mm -hmm. and thought like oh can learn from him and he's truly the nicest guy on the planet I mean Andrew is the nicest person I've ever met so that made it easy you know and then they promoted me to co-producer and I was 22 Two or twenty-three. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So to have produced a feature film mm-hmm. that premiered at Sundance mm-hmm. at twenty-three, and were you still in in college? I had just graduated. Okay. Yeah, and, and you then, went to Sundance. Yeah, I went to Sundance. Super fun. Also, you know, Sundance is hard to see movies at, but since Computer Chess was like a buzzy film, I had maybe 
six tickets or something so i'd like trade those to see other movies and you know explain that to people i think because <laughs> sure. it sounds crazy to be yeah. like oh, well, it's hard to see movies at sundance i went yeah. to sundance in 07 and literally did not see a single film yeah it's it's so i had a badge and uh i thought because i had been to south by and other festivals i thought like oh you have a badge you like get into movies no, at Sundance, a badge does nothing. I think I got into like some L'Oreal hair salon and got like a hair, my hair done. That's it. <laughs> well, your hair looks great. That's pretty Thank great. Thank you. Yeah. This is years ago. <laughs> Still holds up. It's incredible. Yeah. Wow. But don't you, if you have a badge, can't you buy tickets, <laughs> like a special ticket booth at like 6 a.m.? Yeah, you're right. So other yes. Other people can't buy? I don't know if that's true. I don't remember. I kind of think you just have to get up. At, we got up at 6 a.m. in the snow, took a bus to be in line by 7.30, and then even and even at that time... You didn't get it. Yeah, anything. there was like three yeah. things available. So you're like, well, I guess I'll go to this. Yeah, I feel like if you're not in line by like 6 a.m. It's crazy. You don't get to see whatever that first yeah. thing is. Yeah. I went to a lot of parties because I was like met people right. who could take me to parties. But I saw, I saw a few films. I think I saw In a World... I traded a ticket. Oh, That's the Lake, Lake Bell. Bell. Yeah, yeah, she's like a voiceover person mm-hmm. breaking into this male-dominated s- field of right. voice acting. Then I saw now some. Now I get it. <laughs> some abortion documentary. What was it called? After Tiller. Oh God, that was amazing. <laughs> and uh, also, there was metal detectors on the way in to that screening. Oh, because oh, right, because it was controversial. Super. It's about. It's a really conservative audience at Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of mixed, actually. There are some pretty conservative people at Sundance. The people who live in Park City, I think, are... They're just collecting your money. They don't care. Yeah. They're, they're, who knows? They're definitely they're not gone. going to the movie. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, I'm going to Airbnb my condo. Yeah, for $1,000 for like a one-bedroom. Yeah. Can I tell our listeners, I made the biggest mistake ever. I went to Sundance last year, and I took a friend that was not in the film industry or interested in film... <laughs> At all, <laughs> good move. Yeah, well, the, the slopes no, were like no. pretty empty. She was into so she was skiing. into celebrity sighting. She was like, "Can <laughs> we just sit like in a cafe and like yeah. have a beer and watch people?" I'm like, no. First of all, it's like twenty degrees outside, so we're yeah. not going to be sitting on the street. Sure, it, 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 you can see famous people in yeah. those. You pubs can yes, you can see and famous have people. a great time actually. Well, mm-hmm. but like we were like, like a crabby burger, like a moose burger, bad or yeah. food. But we were trying to like network and she was like, just wanted to hang out. And I'm like, that's not, you have to work. Like it's it's not going to like Ensenada for like a resort vacation, which I don't think Ensenada is even that nice. It's not like going to Puerto Vallarta. It's like you get there and you have to, you want to see a movie. You got to get on the phone. You got to call You got to get on the website. You got to do this. You got to wait in lines and do all this stuff. And like you hear about parties, you can't roll in with eight people. It's like, you're lucky to get in with one other person and it was yeah. just like it, it was really tough because it was like we were having to keep her happy like having a good time because she kind of came as like a friend of ours mm-hmm. right but also we were like uh it's my so least much favorite easier. festival so far that i've been to that but the sense. movies are good yeah. some it's not all no, not all a lot of them. of them aren't good a lot of them are like how did you how did this get in? Oh, right. There's a famous person or a sales Right, but when you see that movie, doesn't it make you feel like you can be a good director? No, it's actually kind of disheartening in a way because if you're making actual independent films, there are eight to ten spots available to you at Sundance in the next section. Like if you don't know anyone? You're no, saying? even if you know people. I mean, it's like there are eight to ten movies in the next section if you're a narrative independent feature, and that's it. And the next section is the, if your budget is under $500,000, right? 
or even two million. I mean, like in the next it, section, I, no, I think ne- next year. Next isn't about. It's it's more about discovery. If I'm right. not wrong, it's like oh, it's, when it first, it's less about budget. It's more about like being weird what? or unique or like not having a celebrity. I know a couple in it. movies who had a, but I think a budget of like seven or eight hundred yeah. that got in the next section. Really? Yeah, it is. It's tough. I mean, one of my friends' movies called First Girl I Loved played last year. Did you see? You didn't see it probably. Mm-hmm. That was an example of a film that I thought was amazing. It's so beautiful. And that got in the next section. I was like, finally, like they're discovering people. It was his second feature. So, Mm. yeah. My friends had a movie there. It's called The Overnight. And it was like, they made it for like $100,000. But it was with like Jason Schwartzman, Adam Scott. You can find it on Netflix. Yeah. Basically, Duplass Brothers uh, produced it. Yeah. And they were basically made the steal. They're like, we're going to pay each person $100 a day. And everyone gets a percentage of the. Movie. I didn't know you knew the people who did the overnight. Well, That's I know the DP cool. and the production designer. So you produced this movie, and then how how did you segue into directing? Well, actually, so after that, my next job was field producing Richard Linklater's Hulu series. Wait, wait. Yeah, Richard Linklater made a Hulu series that six people watched. Um, that's not true. That's not quite fair. It's a second. It was a second original series that Hulu greenlit after. What what was it called? It was called Up to Speed. I can't believe that I don't know about this. I know it's it's a it's nobody saw. It's really interesting. It's uh it's and they released kinda, it. They released it. It was was that one guy? There's a documentary filmmaker guy who made the first oh, Hulu oh, series. Uh, um, that guy. Yeah. Uh, Mer- Morgan Spurlock yes. did. It's actually really really good. Uh, a Day in the Life. So yeah, yeah, the Day in the Life was the first one. Up to Speed was the second one. I thought and, you were uh, going to say East Los High, which is a my way show. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, he, so yeah, Rick made this series, and um, it's this kind of bizarro I, I travel. I cannot express how jealous I am that <laughs> really? you just called him Rick. <laughs> yeah. That's like the fucking coolest really? thing. Really? Austin. Wait, yeah, Rick you is short for Richard? Yeah. Rick, everyone. If you know Rick, you call him Rick, Richard Lingo, you call kidding. him Rick. It's kind of like people in Austin who worked with Terrence Malick call him Terry. Mm. Yeah, By the way, if you ever worked with Jennifer coolest. Love Hewitt. Call her love. <laughs> little insider true? tip. Yeah. I'm like ready to move <laughs> to Austin. With her. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So then I field produced, which is also kind of a strange term because they were a hybrid narrative docu kind of. It's this like weird travel show. And I did the New York episode, the Austin episode, and the Kansas City episode. And so it starred, stars Speed Levitch, sure. who's the star of The Cruise. Sure. Which yeah. is a movie that in high school changed my life. He's also in Waking Last, Life. Waking Life. And the she, Live from Shiva's Dance Floor. <laughs> Another Richard Linklater <laughs> uh, short. If Matt hasn't heard of it, it's pretty <laughs> Pretty so, indie. Yeah. yeah. So that was my sort of next job. Wait, so how, how did you hook up with Rick? So, yeah, Rick. Uh, same, one of the producers from Computer Chess produced that series. Okay. Because Andrew Bajowski knows Rick. And uh, he said, I need an indie producer because our budget is kind of low for this. And so that producer, Computer Chess had a few producers. So, um, and yeah, one of them kind of took me under his wing. And he is the one who promoted me from production coordinator to co-producer. And, you know, it was, I, I feel like I did deserve that title. And because I helped kind of like buy, like find some money, whatever. I like, I helped produce the film. Sure. But yeah, he was a, kind of a mean guy. Nobody liked this guy. I don't know. I guess I felt a little bit indebted to him mm-hmm. because he gave me this co-producer title on this film that did pretty well. And we actually made money on computer chess 
Like I got a residual check for two grand, which is insane. That is insane. Yeah, I know. All right. You guys stop right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch the trailer for Computer Chess. Can you real believe quick. that made money? I mean, it's like, uh, it's so unlikely. Yeah, it, it's... It's, I would have bet well, if it's on two thousand dollars against it. Yeah, no, Netflix a, could pay ten grand for the rights. This is a and how much did, did the movie cost? Was it under half a million? We'll say under two hundred. And was it distributed internationally? Yeah, it was. Kino Lorber picked it up, and computers. And it was got the grand jury prize of Sunday. Uh, I guess that's true. It wasn't the grand jury prize. It won the oh. Alfred P. Sloan Prize and then a special jury prize. Oh, okay. So we got a lot okay. of grant money because it was a sciencey kind of movie. So the right. Alfred P. Sloan Foundation gave a lot of money to the film, and since our budget was so small, half of it was paid back by grant money. So we only had to make back like seventy-five grand. And then Kino picked it up, and then it got Sundance distributed internationally, and it had a theatrical run that did pretty well. So that I mean, I can't imagine that you win an award at Sundance and not make at least $100,000. Maybe. I don't know. I get what you're saying. Sundance. I mean, I don't know. My movie. It's a weird fucking movie is what I'm saying. It's a really weird movie. Like, it's a movie that it's hard to imagine the audience being super big. You know what I mean? That Super it's, niche audience. Yeah, it's like a very strange. You could like the people who like it love, love it, it, which is awesome and cool and kind mm-hmm. of a thing that I I love the most about filmmaking. But like, it's not a, a mainstream movie by any measure of the imagination. No, it did get. I mean, critics loved the movie. I mean, God, mm. at New York Times, New York, or like everyone just gushed about this film because it was so, so different. I guess. Yeah. And Andrew is a great filmmaker. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like, I don't want to sound like I'm putting it down. No, no. Like, For the record, Matt has not seen the movie. Sure, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I think, honestly, maybe I started it and didn't finish it. Wouldn't be the first. Again, my mother, three you, times, tried to watch yeah, it. she sounds like a lovely lady. She <laughs> also told me when she came, she was like, I saw a movie called The Other Woman. You know, you, women in it, you should, you're going to love it. And I was like, mother, God. Oh, yeah, I guess so I got off a tangent. But this, so this producer guy... Yeah, so I already, I mean, it it got so bad that I tried to quit multiple times the film. And the other producer would talk to me, like, talk me off the ledge, and I would stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, all the PAs that, like, I had hired would ban, uh, twice, it was so sweet, they banded together and, like, if you, you know, if you don't say you're sorry to Carl, like, we all are walking. And it was so sweet. that's great. I know. It was great. Too bad it got to that. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, this, this, right. So this producer, when he... I thought, leaving that movie, what a great experience except for this, and I'll never work with him again. A month later, he said, I got this Richard Linklater thing. Will you go? I was like, fuck. Yeah. Yes. By the way, this is like a pattern I just see over and over and over in Hollywood. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. that I say I'm never going to work with this person again is the person that's like, hey, Oren, I have this job. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, you're, it yeah. pays great and it's this amazing opportunity. Yeah. And every time it's like a mistake to take it, but it's also not. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It isn't. I mean, at the time, it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this crew was. I, I, you know, I field produced some of the episodes, and there's this guy who produced it, and then there was Shane who shot the movie, and then there's Joel who did sound, and then we had a PA and Rick. I mean, there's six mm-hmm. of us. It was crazy, like to have that kind of access to like, one of my like heroes. I mean, Dazed and Confused. Changed, you know, I saw that in freshman year of college. I was like, oh, my God, amazing. Uh, and actually, he, he shot part of that movie in Seguin, which is the first thing he said to me. He's like, where are you from? 
I said Seguin. He's like, oh, we filmed the... I'm like, I know, the car wash scenes from Seguin. But anyways, yeah, so it's amazing. Like, you know, still to this day, I can call him or his assistant or, you know, see him at parties. And he's like, oh, my God, how are you? And it's kind of amazing that, uh, yeah, it's it was cool. So I worked with, like, Andrew and him. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of... Well, that was, like, one of the perks of starting in Austin was starting off with those two directors who I respect big time and produce before I was 25. I produced stuff for them, yeah, which is nuts. I, I feel like there's a very strong impulse for people to like move to LA immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about it last episode. Yeah. And I'm always like, move to LA, like, move to LA, move to LA. When did you, LA. when did you move to LA? Well, or when you were young, younger? Yeah. I went to UCLA. I studied engineering. I okay. auditioned for computer chess. I didn't get it. Uh, and then I moved to Silicon Valley and worked I remember as an your tape. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but then I was like really, when I was, was, I've told the story a million times. When I was at UCLA, I was like an extra on like a bunch of TV shows. Like I was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and all these things. And I like fell in love with being on set and it never really left me. So even mm-hmm. when I was an engineer, like I was making short films and then I was like, I really try to make it in San Francisco, but in San Francisco, we talked about this last week, it's like much more of an art than a business. Yeah. And like I needed to make a living so I could stop being an engineer. Right. So I kind of realized LA LA is the only place where it's like, it's acceptable to say like, I'm not going to do this job unless you pay me. In any other city, it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we'll give you $500 for the summer to right. produce like this famous director's right. movie. Yeah. That doesn't fly in LA. You know? Yeah. Terrence Malick has famously like a hundred interns at all time. It's pretty <laughs> illegal. I mean, like, I don't know how he gets away with it, but there's a, an he's, army he's, um, of people. Terrence Malick. Right. There's just yeah, an, Terry. When yeah. you, just so you know, like when you meet someone who's like, I edited for Terrence Malick, you're like, whatever. So he had like 20 editors at all time. <laughs> and seriously, he had everyone I know that went to UT was an intern at, at his company. He also takes like 10 years to make a movie, right? So yeah, right. Plenty yeah. of stuff to work on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should have gone to UT, you guys. Right, but Rick had at all times only one intern. I mean, his office is on Austin Film Studios lot, and he has Kirsten as his assistant, who's been his, with him for ten years. And he has his editor Sandra, and then he has like an AE, and maybe one intern. So it's like tiny compared to Terry's sure. office, which is funny. Okay, I'm going to ask you a very hard to answer question. But yeah, can you give us like three directing things, tips you learned from Rick? Because you watched him direct, right? The- yeah, I did watch him direct. It was, I mean, I watched him direct a weird sort of hybrid documentary show. But actually working with him made me realize that if you have a great story, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Mm. Because he's made great work his whole career sure. with not much money. I mean, he made Boyhood with very, very little money. And look how well that did. And he's really, he he also really listens to everyone. He's such a nice guy open he's he's interested in other people he's a great listener and asks a lot of questions and i think that's important to be mm-hmm. curious as a director and did you see him direct actors i saw him direct speed who's the main guy i don't i don't know it's hard for me to remember like exactly what that was like because i feel like i was like trying to produce and mm-hmm. putting out fires and right that kind of stuff and okay, we didn't really cool. have monitors either i don't think he had a monitor we were just kind of on the go he just kind of stood by Shane, who shot his last movie, great DP out of Austin. And uh, yeah, it was this tiny little crew. 
That's cool. Yeah. So you're producing all of this stuff. We talk about like, oh, you have to move to LA. You have to move to LA. You have to move to LA. Yeah. This is a very clear case study of like, maybe you don't for a while. Right. Right. Like you're getting killer credits. Mm-hmm. You're getting one-on-one mentorship from some of the best filmmakers working. Yeah. You know, I moved to LA when I was 18, right? Like I for college. Okay. So like, like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and didn't really think about it. Like, mm-hmm. d- wasn't even aware that I was really moving to LA forever. You right. Know? Remind um, me where you came from. Northern California. Oh, right. So people, people here in California that think, oh, like, oh, yeah, it's all Southern California, Northern California, same thing. They're basically different states. So I, I, this is fascinating to me that, like, you're building all these credits. What sort of future do you feel like you have when you're in Austin? And what is kind of the... Dis- What's the decision to A, start directing, and B, decide to move? That's, uh, yeah, it's a conversation I think I've had with a lot of people. I mean, Austin, um, it seemed like of my friends of UT who moved to LA, they all, maybe not all of them, but it seems like most of them immediately got an internship at like an agency or a big Mm -hmm. production company, and then they moved into the system. Mm-hmm. And and by the system you mean Hollywood, yeah, like the studio or TV system. or the studio, studio system. system, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like one of my friends works for Berlanti, another one works at NBC, whatever TV, some. But but not in the field is what you're saying, right? So I think a couple of them now are trying to make their own work, but they've just been in like the system of I don't know this industry for so long, and that's how they make a living. It's like they start as an assistant and have now are a CE. Or right, whatever. Right. And w- what you mean, just to kind of clarify for people who yeah. maybe don't understand, it's like they wear a suit. They yeah. work in a cubicle. They go to meetings. They go they to talk meetings. About how they, much money a movie, a script can make in mm-hmm. certain countries. They have conference calls. They're not, they haven't touched a camera in years. Right. You know, they're not in the field. And even if they're on set, it's okay for them to look at their phone basically all day. That's what you mean by the system, right? Yeah. 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 It's just, it's making a living working at a studio or right. a TV network or something. Whereas, like, if you were on your phone and it wasn't to solve a problem for the shoot in the next hour or next right. day or something, it was a serious problem. Like, it, yeah. it, it was on your shoulders to make sure that everything was moving. Yeah. Unless you're playing Yokai Watch Wibble Wobble. <laughs> Probably one of the best games. <laughs> Plugging it. Don't be a stinky butt. <laughs> And crazy butt. Crazy butt. That's a line from this commercial. Don't be a stinky butt. Uh, a kid shows his mom a picture and says, look at this. It's cheek squeak. He's a crazy butt. And he says that. I thought that it was just like saying like, he's a butthead. Right. But no, he is a butt. Like, um, like literally. It's he's a, cheek, cheeky is a butt. Cheek squeak is like a little butt monster that oh, makes God. you fart uncontrollably. <laughs> like imagine like Pikachu, but combined with a butt. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm into cheek it. Cheek squeak. Cool. So you, you were oh, saying yeah. though. Oh, yeah. uh, your friends were in the system. Yeah, and and you know, and and conversely, the people who stayed in. I I, I mean, actually, okay. Here's my landlord in college was this is this amazing woman whose sister happened to be one of the staff writers of Community, and my name is Earl, and uh, she's in a really really talented comedy writer. So I met her. So my landlord was like nice enough to be like, you should meet my sister when she comes to town, and so I met with this woman. And we hit it off, and she's like, hey, you're graduating soon. You come to L.A. and be my assistant. And I thought, like, oh, 
oh my God, like she's writing community at the time. She had a new show. Yeah. And I didn't realize how big of an opportunity that was at the time because I was like, oh, I'm living in Texas. I'm making my own stuff and working on my friend's stuff. But I, I had had to make the decision, like, should I move to LA and work for her or stay here and make what I thought was like make my own work. And I chose to stay in Texas because I thought I want to be a director. I don't know if I can do it in LA, so I'm going to stay here. So that was what I did. And why didn't you think you could do it in LA? I just was worried about money, I think. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone. I mean, like I'm cost not cost of living sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I I don't, you know, I'm not from a family that knows you anyone here. I just didn't know how I'd live in LA. I had lived in New York and I lived in Austin, but I just was like seems too crazy. So I just made a choice like, okay, I'm going to stay in Texas and see what happens. I didn't think I'd I didn't think I'd be in LA 2 years ago, truthfully. Yeah, yeah. And I've been in LA a little over a year. You know, it's funny. I feel like we talk about this on the podcast all the time. Like, it takes a couple opportunities that you kind of like turn down or yeah. like botch in some cases, like mine. You know, like you you fuck up a meeting or you don't even understand that there's an opportunity in front of you. Yep. And it's worth reiterating. That's all okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's. I have this. Everybody does it. This friend, he's a TV writer, and he told me this like really interesting thing about pitching TV. And he said, like, look, so first you you start writing stuff and no one wants to talk to you or whatever. And you make a couple things and somehow through a hookup, you get like an agent or a representation. And then you go out and you pitch. And the first year you pitch maybe once or twice because no one else wants to hear your pitches and they don't sell. Then the second year you get a few more people to listen to you because you kind of started figuring out like what pitching is, mm -hmm. but you don't sell anything. Then the third time you have some people ask for scripts, you know, and it's like, it's like a five or six year process to get to sell some. I mean, yes, there's people that are super lucky and there's like the Lena Dunham's in the world, but like sure. everyone else is like, you have to like not sell something so many times before you sell it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think actually like, I don't know if any, I think the luck is not that Lena Dunham sold something right away. It's that she started so much earlier than us. Like mm -hmm. she was just in an environment where right, she'd been writing for like ten how years, to like when she write was and pitch and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, she had exactly. that web series. Yeah, like yeah. you just are. Some people are just dialed in, or they're in an environment where, like, you know, like you know, my parents were just like working and like yeah. you know, had normal jobs and stuff, and like mm -hmm. still don't understand what I do. And I'm so grateful to them and all of that stuff. But what I mean is that like th there's no way that they could have even just explained what a pitch was to me no you know sometimes I, mean? I wonder if i should like start telling my daughter like like maybe you should like reading or save the cat at bedtime I your, don't know. your daughter's <laughs> gonna become like a chemist or something so much better than a filmmaker yeah yeah i don't know i still think filmmaking is pretty cool it's cool it's it cool. is cool i'm always surprised when i meet people that don't work in the film business and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a director. I direct stuff. They're like, oh, cool. Anyway, uh, can you pass the salt? I'm like, yes. Don't you want to ask me anything? Yeah. yeah like, no, don't you want to know what I direct? Yeah. <laughs> I work so hard. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess I did never answer the question of how I got into directing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, so when I was in film school, the first, I mean, I had never picked up a camera. And so I had, you know, I was 20 by the time I transferred into UT Austin. And um, the first production class we had, we had to make something. And I remember being terrified and was like, well, shit, I've never even held a camera before. So I was, I thought like, oh, I'll make a documentary because this will be easier than directing actors. And so I had to go to like this thing at my, it was like my nephew's birthday or something. So I like, was like, well, I'll go to my sister's house. My sister is 10 years older than me. And like, 
is like a Lululemon housewife and like lives in this like big mansion world. I love describing people as Lululemon people. Yeah. It's uh, totally accurate. Yeah. Right? I, I love my sister. We are so different. I mean, she's like a Republican, like has this big house, whatever, you know, has, hasn't worked for many years. And so she like lives in this world that is still fascinating. So I brought my camera and I thought I would ask her kids and all these other kids like you know where do babies come from and like how'd your mom get pregnant so i'm asking what they they gave me permission and i was like okay so i'm asking all this stuff and they're giving hilarious answers and then i gave an eight and nine year old a book called it's not the stork and i really thought that they knew what sex was i had no idea so i'm like the camera's rolling so i give this eight and nine year old boy the, the book and they're reading and then all of a sudden they're like and the penis enters the <gasps> oh my god and on camera they're freaking out and i'm like oh my god oh my god and then they like run out of the room and i'm following with the camera and my sister's like turn that off like what'd you tell them and they're like it's pretty crazy that sounds and, uh, so good it, yeah it's technically a disaster i mean like it's out of focus you can barely but it was <laughs> but it was like a-okay yeah it was it's so like wacky and so i had like um really funny little inserts of the book illustrations in the middle of this documentary and it it won like my classes thing whatever and i was like oh maybe i like have something here and also the director of uh this movie called winnebago man did you ever yeah, see that yeah yeah from so the that, youtube video yeah so that is my good friend ben steinbauer and he was the judge of this class thing and said hey will you come be my intern and i said you don't want me to be your intern because i know nothing i was like i seriously he was like well, maybe you should come be. And I was like, no, thank you so much. Just like, and to keep working. And he was like, can I buy you lunch? I was like, yeah, I guess, whatever. And so then he convinced me to be his intern, which is hilarious. I really knew nothing. And uh, that was in post on Winnebago Man. So that was my first kind of foray. I got lucky, I think. You know, that was like yeah, an instance sure. of we me. We must post a link to the Winnebago Man video. So good. Yeah. He didn't make the, he didn't edit the original video. He made the no, documentary. No, no, he, he made, made the, the documentary. About. Which is kind of like, to to clarify, it's like Winnebago Man is like this weird kind of pre-viral viral video. Yeah. Like it, was a, it was like people it was passed on around on VHS. VHS tapes, mm-hmm. yeah. It was like... Of, it's so good. <laughs> it's so, so good. good. But Minnie Winnie. Of, my daughter's name is Winter. Uh, well, <gasps> I always call her my Minnie Winnie. Oh, how funny. Because of that She's Winnebago Man. Winnebago yeah. Woman. How yeah. funny. Yeah, so that was my first internship. And actually, Ben, I always credit him. I'm like, you gave me my career. He's like, no, I didn't. But he always said, like, this is Carlin. She wants to be a director. And I was like, do I? I don't know. I mean, honestly, this sounds a little cheesy, but I just didn't know the women could be directors. Sure, fair enough. I didn't know. Like, I thought women were actors. But I just didn't know. in film school, you didn't have, there weren't? No. I mean, like, I, this was also the beginning of my film school journey. I mean, film school, numbers-wise, the same amount of women enter as men. But by the time I got to my final, like I was on the directing track, and in my final directing class, out of twenty-four people, I was one of three women, yeah. and that was pretty standard. At, at USC, the numbers are much worse, much much worse. Really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Would say, worse than three out of twenty-four. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. Bet. I'm saying I think maybe people don't fall off quite so rapidly, but the number of women who enter the production program. At least when I was there, I think I can name them all off the top of my head. Wow. Maybe maybe 10? Maybe. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. It was bonkers. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I think like DP and directing are the the two tracks that just like not very many women. So when I moved to LA, my friend went to AFI and I worked on all these student shorts. 
And I would say their DP program was like almost half and seemed half. like fifty percent women, yeah. yeah. And some of the best DPs in the world went to like female DPs in the world went That's to true, AFI. but isn't it only like ten people per year or something? It is not a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> and also I people. think I think they're pretty conscious now about Yeah. Yeah. Picking. Everyone's pretty hip to it. And the AFI has been pretty yeah. um, active about yeah. like empowering women. They've got the director's workshop for women and right. Right. which I have a lot of thoughts on. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I have not applied. It? I not really. I just feel like there's all these programs that come out to help women supposedly, but it's like it just makes women jump through more hoops to be able to direct. Fair enough. I, I think the point of the Directors for Women workshop is to Network. kind of like help people who are right on the cusp. Mm-hmm. It's like you're basically there. Like you're going to make it with or without them. Yeah. And they just want to like accelerate that a little bit. Yeah, but you have That's to take off. Yeah, I mean, it's a really cool pro. I mean, honestly, if I got in, I'd be like, okay, I guess I'll go. I have yeah. not applied. But you have to take off, I think, three or four months of work. You don't get paid. And you have to raise money for your short film. It's, I mean, it's a film program. Yeah. It's like it, film school. It's it, not. Um, If the Sundance Labs was women only. Yeah. Would you be like, well, I don't know about these guys? I don't know. Because yeah, I think that the point is that their stamp of approval mm-hmm. means that you can raise money a little bit easier. Maybe. I'm I a hope. finalist right now in the Sundance Labs. Yeah. The screenwriting labs? No, the, the they have a new web series lab. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, it's like there's 20 finalists and we're one of 20. I think they pick 8 to 10. Is it with distance? Yeah. Real quick, Sundance Labs is like a a thing where you apply with a project, and if they pick you, you kind of go into this boot camp. Mm -hmm. It means it. It's very prestigious. It's like going to Harvard. You get they hook you up with mentors, like industry mentors, and and typically it means that you can have an easier time finding funding for your film because it's a yeah you know it's one of those resume things that like I mean I've got I've been rejected from Sundance many times already, but um. I don't know. And accepted a couple times as well. So, so that's okay. Not not anything that I've directed yet. I guess this one's getting close. Uh, I guess I'm, did I? So the, I guess I the director thing. I never even answered that. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll get into your web series. Right, right. So I think I always knew that I I, I kind of knew I wanted to direct, but I just again I didn't know that I could be a director, and I knew how to produce, and I knew how to make money producing. Did you have an aha moment? Where you were like, oh, wait. Yeah, I started producing my the job that I got after Computer Chess was producing like online video content for a company in Austin. And after about six months of doing that and like me doing all of the work and these guys showing up on set and like pointing the camera at something and getting paid three times as much as me, I was like, no, I can do this too. And so I convinced them. I said, if you want me to keep producing, I'm going to get a chance to direct. And they were like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I'm walking. And they gave me a chance. And then I kind of fucked it up, actually. And they gave me another chance. <laughs> and so at that the second the time. That's the best lesson, though. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I've screwed up a few commercials by now. One, my first one in L.A., I screwed up, like, pretty royally. Ugh. Learned a lot. I feel like there's, like, tangents to choose from. <laughs> let's, let's take that one. What's, what did you do? What happened? Um, so it was this makeup commercial. And I don't do makeup commercials. I've just never... I've done, that's not what I direct. And I thought... How did you get the jump? Um, it was like a friend of a friend, this company that I won't name. It's kind of like lower budget stuff. But they, I don't know, they like really wanted to hire a woman. What's lower budget? Like $20,000 for a day? I think it was like, was like 15 or for a one day shoot. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's what they told me. So you have a decent crew. 
You have yeah. one location. Yeah. And an actor or two. Yeah, one actor. Non-union. Yeah, non-union. It was this kind of um, super cheesy, like proactive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got like the job. cheesy or? They wanted it to be cool. And that's why they hired me. Because they were like, oh, you have like cool stuff in your reel. And you're like young and hip. And I was like, yeah. And then, then they gave me the boards. And I was like, oh, this seems like, ooh, I don't know. It's going to be hard to make this cool. And they didn't believe me. And so on set, and, but the main thing that happened was that the concept was really bad. And also the makeup artist they hired, it wasn't someone that I knew. And uh, they had to hire someone. And she was terrible. And the makeup looked like shit. And it was a, make, it was a skincare commercial. And um, I remember after seeing her on camera, I was like, uh, can you do the makeup again? And the girl was like, really? I was like, yeah, it's like, way yes, too I'm heavy. Yes, I'm your boss right now. Yeah. Wait, so sorry, the makeup artist was doing makeup on your actor? Yes. Okay, and the actor had their makeup did not look good. It looked terrible. It, was so, it looked like super caked on. And it had nothing to do with the lighting or anything? No. I don't think so. And so we tried making those adjustments many times. And so finally she redid the makeup. It still looked bad. And I was like, you have to do it again. And by this time I made the makeup artist cry. The producer's freaking out. And I was like, we need to fire her. I was like, this isn't going to work. And the client was like tired. And they're like, it looks fine. It looks fine. And I was like, okay, I guess it's fine. And it wasn't fine. And when we looked at the footage, it looked bad. And so it was this skincare thing. And it, her skin looked just gross. And, uh, yeah, and they were kind of upset about it. They had to reshoot some of it. And so it was one of those moments where if I would have listened to my gut and if I would have even said, like, fire her, mm-hmm. no makeup, I mean, whatever, yeah. then, yeah. But I don't think they will never hire me again. I can't tell you how many times on set, like, my gut's telling me something. Uh-huh. And everyone on set's like, no, no, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. It's great. We love it. It looks mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And you're like, it feels wrong. Yeah. And then it's like 99 times out of 100 your gut is like right well and i told you so doesn't help right no you can be like like i said this a million times like on camp like it doesn't well one of these weird things about being a director especially commercial it's like you said the boards you got your job is to make a bad idea (laughs) and not enough resources cool yeah and like if you succeed then everyone gets credit for making this cool thing and if you fail it's like your fault yeah Yeah. you know yeah it's a lot of responsibility that's why like I feel like I'm in a place in my career where I won't take, unless the, I, I'm in love with the creative, I won't take like super low paying jobs because it's not that I don't think I'm worth more. It's just the stress of the responsibility is like not yeah. worth it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'm running up against like a script that's not funny, haha. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. It's like, you know, everyone's smiling the whole time. We're having a nice time. It's not, no one's laughing out loud, but like, we all know that that's not what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. And if I don't explicitly spell that out a couple times on calls and in emails and in the book, then when we get the product back and it's not laugh out loud hilarious because this is not a super funny idea, yeah, it gets it goes poorly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is funny that the following your instincts thing. Every time I'm like, I'm just not gonna do that but what would you i mean there wasn't really anything else for you to do i don't know i mean i would have honestly i thought to myself we should just have no makeup and she would have looked better and she would have looked better it would have been fine yeah right or yeah letting her do her own makeup right it was just amazing and i you know i'd already like made her cry it was like the whole thing was a disaster right but i was was like anyone backing you up saying like 
your so DP for, or anything? It was like a DP I never worked with. It was a pretty, it was this whole crew of people. I just, it was like my second month in LA and I was so happy to have a job. And I was right. like, this company was like, oh, we do a lot of stuff that we'll start on this lower budget thing. And then you're like, well, you'll get to do bigger things. Right. And also with a new company, like you kind of want to hire their people. Yeah. Like you don't want to just be like, trust me, I've got it. Let me right. bring in all these people who are great because like. Right, yeah. you don't want to be responsible for yeah. every single right. yeah. mistake made on set. Although, but now I, f- I feel like I'm learning how to put my foot down more and more with directing. And I think gender-wise that is a little bit tricky because like, I feel like in the past I was doing work for a company in town and I'm not sure if they're going to hire me again because I was like labeled as difficult, I right. think. Right. And yeah. I was like... I mean that's not it could be any gender, but but I'm just saying that like it was it is tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky, and it's also that it, that it's so tricky because like that's the director's job. Yeah. You're like your job is to say, hey, I'm protecting the creative. Producers can 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 protect budget and like every every department head is protecting whatever department they're doing. The director is like, I'm gonna watch over the whole vision of this thing, mm-hmm. and like getting labeled difficult. That is utterly unfair. And I yeah. think that, like, I don't know, it still happens. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I first moved to LA, my roommate, Alana, got me a job to PA on this Jamiroquai music video. It was directed <laughs> by Joseph Kahn, you know, who did. So I was just like so curious. I, I was always like a horrible PA because all I'd be like, yeah. how much does that light cost? What does that camera do? Like, yeah. I, well, yeah, so I'm supposed well. to be changing out yeah. trash cans yeah. or like watching something somewhere. Can I see the storyboards? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had an editor on set that was editing. They had the whole video cut as storyboards and as they were getting shots in, even though they were shooting Whoa. on 35, he was like connected to the video tap. He would cut them into the, so in real time, like he was seeing the video and obviously the audio is the music cool. video. So it was, su- everything was super was cool. Fun. And I was telling my roommate who was his assistant, she was she was the camera assistant on the set, but she was his. Her normal day job was being his assistant. Wow! They'd gone like a million dollars over. I mean, this was like the Whoa, very hey end day. of like multi-million dollar yeah, music yeah. They had to add all these shoot days, and I got fired off that job for this crazy reason. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I was like, well, isn't he worried about that? That they're going over and and my roommate told me this thing. She's like, his job as a director is to make a good video. Nothing, none of those other things matter. Yeah. And I try to like think about that, especially, you know, I don't want to be difficult, but like I just did this commercial, you know, the other day and there's like a classroom Mm -hmm. scene and the producer's like, how many extras should we get? I had five down and I'm like, five, like what are, I mean, I need like, I would want like 30, you know, (laughs) I could probably live with 12, but like, just so you know, my job as the director is not to get the extras to the smallest yeah. number we can afford right and to tell you what we need and your job is to figure out where we cut or we don't what we don't cut like there's other places i'm okay with a doorway dolly instead of like a fisher dolly you know right if right. that means more extras but like i don't mean to be difficult and i know you have five extras in your budget but that just doesn't work and then what's the kicker of course in the yeah. final cut you only see like five people yeah yeah <laughs> after i got wow. 20 yeah so um, you but, got your 20 though that's good yeah. Um, yeah I think that there is like a slightly shifting role for kind of the spot that we're all in where mm-hmm. you are a little bit producer as well because you're dealing with such limited budgets like Joseph Kahn can go over budget and it doesn't matter because someone's going to pony up right on a $15,000 shoot if you go $5,000 over which is not very much money and goes like that that's it. You can't. Yeah. You, you literally can't do it. The, right. That money just isn't even there. Right. Yeah. It, it makes getting 
like coming in on time a little bit more of a crucial part of the job description. Yeah, it's a tough line to walk, the how when to hold your ground and when to just play ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I actually love, I was just telling Sawhorse, I worked with, I love working with them. One of the producers was like, hey, Oren, as a friend, I'm telling you, stop bugging us about the casting. It was two days before the shoot. No one was cast yet, right? The client hadn't responded. We hadn't done a fitting. There was no wardrobe. We didn't know anything. I was going to base the entire cast around, like, trying to get it to be diverse and the right ages and everything yeah. based on the lead person. Everyone's like, who do you want to cast? And I was like, well, I need the client to choose a lead. Anyway, I was bugging them so much. He was like, Orin, as a friend, I'm telling you to stop asking us. <laughs> it's with the client. Everyone's starting to get annoyed because of you. And I was like, okay. And then I said friend. to him, I was like, just yeah. so you know, the reason I'm so annoying is because I know you guys. If this if this is the first thing I directed for your company, I would just be like, oh, it's awesome. I love everything. But right. because I know you guys, I, I'm focusing on making it good instead of on making you guys like me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. It, it is an interesting balance. But yeah. We need to wrap up pretty soon. So I, I just want to, can we just things. talk yeah, yeah. about your web series real quick? Because I think it's sure. fascinating. Yeah. Distance. It's the one that's the Sundance. It's a finalist in the Sundance Labs. Yeah. It premiered, the pilot premiered at South by Southwest. And it's also, isn't it playing the New York TV yeah. festival? It's so interesting. Which is an awesome festival too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go for the first time. Yeah. So this web series was not created by me. I was brought on to act, one of the actors, the guy in it, Alex Dobrenko. It's his, he created it and um, brought Jack, the other director who's now a good friend of mine. They were, they always were going to do it together. And then they wanted to bring another female director on. So I was like, I thought Alex is a friend of mine from Austin. So I thought I was like, oh, I'm just being brought on like as a buddy. But I did have to send him all my stuff. Turns out he went through like 20 directors to get to me, which is nice to hear like, oh, I was selective. Wait, tell us what it's about because it, or. Yeah, the, the concept because it's cool. Yeah, so it's a comedy about a couple in a long distance relationship, and it's told from two perspectives. So it's essentially one script for each episode, but one's totally from her point of view and directed by me, and the other one's totally from his point of view, directed by Jack. And she lives on the West Coast, and yeah, he lives she's in LA. New York. Uh-huh. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Moving forward, we may switch directors. Like, I may direct some of his, and Jack may direct some of hers. We'll see. I should ask him. Start FaceTime just bent over. Oh! <laughs> Draw a little face on your butt. No, we have catching up to do. What are you doing when you want to have sex? Are you just masturbate all the time? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's not the... Don't say cyber. <laughs> let's, let's make love. Through the internet. So if you direct his, you'll fly to New York for those episodes? No, I'm sure we'll cheat it. We cheated it so far. Oh, really? We've only shot the pilot. Does he live in L.A. too? Yeah, we all live in L.A. Oh, really? And Ashley, the girl, she was on Vice Principals, and she's kind of like... Oh, who's she on Vice Principals? She's the secretary. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like really meek. She's so cute. Yeah, I knew she looked familiar. Yeah, Mm -hmm. She's awesome. They're all from Austin. Wow. Well, that's like a good lesson too. Like you can pitch and basically make a concept that is about a long distance relationship from LA and New York and shoot it all in LA. Yeah. I mean, we got to move to LA. Right. It looks just like New York. We we just got that wallpaper that has bricks on it. (laughs) Seriously. And put it in his room in Echo Park. 
There's no bricks in LA. Yeah, there's no brick. Nobody has exposed bricks. We don't have a ton of exposed bricks. That's true. That is the the shortcut for New York. That's true. Right, because earthquakes and bricks don't mix. That's that's right. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah, all of our bricks fell down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's cool. So you and another guy and another person direct the same show together. Yeah, it, it was really interesting because we, we learned a lot making the pilot because we Jack directed his side first. And our one rule was like, we aren't going to be on each other's sets. Mm-hmm. We made some visual style rules together. And um, kind of like Can you give how, us some examples of visual style rules? Yeah, I mean, it was like we, we were going to have the text messages be on screen versus shooting a bunch of screens. We did shoot, well, long story. We did shoot a bunch of screens and then we reshot them. Mm-hmm. So like House of Cards style. Kind of, yeah. And at first we were going to try to go over coverage together, but then we decided just do our own thing. Mm-hmm. So we talked about like the themes of the show, the relationship between them both. But yeah, Jack did his episode with, with the same crew. So that was weird for me. Uh, the same DP too? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It was the DP who shot my feature. So I luckily had like a pretty good relationship with him already. Uh, but um, so yeah, same crew. So it was like they shot his episode. And then on mine, the weirdest thing was like after the first few takes, the whole crew was kind of like, wow, this is different. Like, this is weird. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we are not, should we, should we say how it's different? And then Alex was like, no, don't tell her how it's different. And it was interesting because everyone was like, wow, this feels really different than his and it did turn out a little too different in fact like now going forward we need to figure out how to marry like tonally yeah tonally and also was one of them like more jokey or funny than the other mine was a lot raunchier than his like i let her in it's about the first episode is about them having cyber sex and so he that's in the trailer yeah and so my side was just like i don't know i just also ashley's like a a friend of mine, she felt really comfortable, so like we went there, and like she said a lot of nasty shit, and you know, and apparently on his side he didn't really do that, and so it's just kind of an interesting study, and like because there was some improv allowed, mm-hmm. you know, so like I improved quite a bit. I guess he didn't as much. That's funny. I guess improv is maybe the intersection between kind of the two ideas, yeah, right? Like that's where it butts up and doesn't right match anymore yeah so even so like in this within the cyber sex she her like she did different things in his episode than mine so some people in your episode yeah but only on screens okay right yeah because he's not there wait so did you direct him in your yeah i mean but he was actually in a different room Mm -hmm. no actually was in a different was he in a different he was in a different place and i would direct him over the phone and on skype we did the Skype stuff real time. Cool. Yeah, it worked. It was kind of amazing. Yeah. So I'd be I like, okay, Alex. practical screens. Yeah, you do? Yeah. It, it worked pretty well, actually. And, act, and what was really cool about it is when there was like glitchy issues, mm-hmm. we kept it because that's real life, yeah, trying to Skype so with someone. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was super interesting because at first, uh, one of our fears was, you know, Jack and I do have a lot of the same kind of influences and we thought like, what if it's too similar and what if you know, directing is a hoax. Like, we're all the same, you know? And so, but it turned out they were so different. We were like, ooh, we need to figure out how to make them more similar. And just the way that Jack covered it was different. Like, he did a lot of profile shots and panning. I did mine, like, pretty traditional mm-hmm. coverage. And you guys cut it together as one episode and submitted it to festivals. Yeah. It's gone into every festival we submitted to, which is amazing because, again, my feature was rejected from so many places. And I'm like, damn. Yeah, I mean, it's Austin. such a cool idea, though. Right? Yeah. Like, that's it. I guess it has, like, a hook. 
Yeah. And what's your feature called? It's called The Big Spoon. Let's talk a little bit about that cool. before we wrap out. Yeah. I mean, you, making your first feature is like too awesome to, yeah. to pass up. So tell us a little bit. About, what, what's the film about? The film is an unromantic comedy. And it's about this girl, Mallory, who I, her real name is Mallory. And we wrote the film together and she's the star. Kind of like a kissing Jessica Stein sort of vehicle. And uh, we also like raised the money together. Uh, not very much money. Can you say how much? Sure. Like around 100. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so still a little like more. Friends and family rates, but you're yeah. paying. Things. We paid people a hundred bucks a day. That, that was on my side. I sensed your hesitation. I did. I sensed your hesitation. This is a game of gut reaction. You have to just hit the ball. You just didn't give me enough time. Well, just you know, don't just don't hesitate. Okay. <laughs> Hello, you guys. You ready? Yeah. Always ready. Okay. One zero. One zero. Oh, we went for the same thing. That was good. Seriously, Okay, Mom? how are we? One on one? He doesn't need my help. No, no. You don't. Come on, that's not true. It, here, come on. Mal, your serve, all right? Okay. Your serve. No, hey, hey, whoa, no, no. No, he has to bounce on your side, then in our side. You can't, you know? What the hell is that? I don't want to hit the dog in the face. Her eyes are really bulgy. You can still serve the right way and not. Can we just play, me and you, please? Can we play? I think that's a better plan. Why don't you guys just? I never wanted to play. North America versus South America. May the best America win. But we shot like on again, like it's just because I knew everyone in Austin. Like I'd been working in Austin, making commercials and whatever for so long that like the gear houses. I mean, we got an Alexa for like two grand for three and a half weeks. That <laughs> it's is just insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. S- well stole done. that camera, basically. Well done. So uh, if you're thinking about moving from Austin to L.A., shoot a feature first. Yeah, and so that was that was kind of yeah, my... You can also, by the way, move to L.A., then move back to your hometown yeah. to right. do your feature of and course. then come back to L.A. That's the thing is like I... So I, I was on a couple of commercial rosters in Austin. I'm still on one, but I wanted to make a feature before I moved. And so I made the big spoon, and um, yeah, we're premiering. And I, yeah, that's the thing about like to to go back, I guess, to the Austin versus or wherever versus LA thing. Is like I do have a lot of friends who are still in Austin making films, but they also teach, they also edit, they mm-hmm. also do. Some of them are directors, but mainly they I live feel in like, a house. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, but but also I I don't I just I had to ask myself too like what do I want to do? Do I want to be a professor at UT? Mm-hmm. Do I want to make another $200,000 movie? No and no were the answers. I was like I want to do TV. I want to make big movies. I want to have big budgets. I want to do big stuff. Yeah. And so I came to LA. And I mainly I, I do 75% of my directing work in Texas still. I'm trying to change that. Do you go back to Texas all to- the fucking time? Just all the time. Pretty cool, though. I go to Austin most months, if not multiple times a month. So you're having your cake and eating it, too, is what you're saying? Kind of. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, what, what's cool about moving to a bigger market is now, I think I said this to you, Orin, at that meeting, but I said it took me moving to L.A. to be hired consistently as a director in Austin. So now I'm hired more yeah. often in Austin because I'm you're like... you're an, L- an L.A. director. Yeah. I'm like, like yeah, I'm living director. in someone's house for free. Yeah, I'm like a big fancy director. Can I tell you when I do like, you know, we do pre-production calls for commercials, right? You, talk, you get on the phone with the agency, the client, and the production company, and the director tells them like, this is the wardrobe, these are the actors, these are the boards, this is the sets, right? 
And I always, when we, we always have a page that lists like all the crew members and I always like tell them all the big, like our costume designer, like did all the costumes on Nickelodeon's this and yeah. our DP shot this. Whatever awesome someone has yeah. heard of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it counts for so much because the clients are almost never in LA and they're like, oh wow, we got like top Hollywood people, but they're really just like us, you know, yeah. they've worked on a TV show once or they did this yeah. or, you know, yeah, she produced the Sundance Jury Prize winning winner, and mm-hmm. you know she's but she calls Richard Linklater Rick. Like, like once you're in LA, it's Very like really fancy. easy to to kind of make everyone seem cool. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. I, I there hasn't been a huge downside yet moving to LA, except for the fact that I go to meetings like meeting you, and I'm like, oh my god, everyone's so much more accomplished than me. Which and Laura is like they're older than you. It's okay. I'm like, well, yeah. I don't know. It it is a little. It is. It's so competitive here that it is hard. But it's been a kick in the ass in the good way. Like I've been shooting stuff on my own again since my feature. Mm-hmm. Like I shot a sketch a couple weeks ago. I'm writing a lot more. I'm planning to shoot another short film in a month. Like, what I are feel you like doing it, to try to get work in LA? Having a lot of meetings. Just trying to meet anyone that will meet with me. Just and and how are you setting those meetings? How are those happening? I feel like a lot of them come from Texas connections. Like a guy that I met mm-hmm. yesterday was, um, not yesterday, I guess Friday, was uh, went to UT, now is a production company here, has had like Sundance shorts and also does commercials. And he was like a friend of a friend. He was going to produce a commercial that I shot, that I directed here, but he couldn't. I don't know. This is one of those things that I'm like, hey, let's meet for coffee. And then we have all these mutual friends. And like, I think... You know, I had lunch with Tim Nakashi, who you guys know. You know, mm-hmm. just trying to like, just trying to also make friends and yeah. build a network. Yeah. You know, it's happening slowly, but I was, without sounding egotistical, like in Austin, if you guys go to Austin and said, like, hey, we know Carlin, they'd be like, oh, hey, Carlin. But in LA, like, no one knows who the fuck I am. Yeah. So ego wise, it's tough. <laughs> but, sure. yeah. Fair you enough. know. Yeah. I think also, um, it's a little less concentrated in yeah. LA, right? Like you can go to a handful of bars or mm-hmm. like Austin Film Society or whatever it is and like know how to meet people. Right. And LA, I think it can be very intimidating for people because there's not a, uh, an epicenter in quite the same way. Exactly. Which is, which is why I'll tell people like to take improv classes at UCB or something just to like get your footing, you know? But as far as filmmaking goes, like beyond Cine Family, yeah, there's not a hub that I know of, yeah. you know. But that's uh, why I started a podcast with Oren. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, yeah. for for women directors who've made features, there's a group called Film Fatales, which I don't know if you guys have heard of. Have you heard of this? I know, I know, with women film, which yeah, may be similar, sort of. I mean, God, there's like a million women's groups, but. Film Fatales is specifically for women who have made a feature. So you can't even be invited to be in Film Fatales unless you've made a feature. It's a smallish group. They call it like the magic castle kind of of filmmaking. Which is an exclusive magician's club. Right. And so we do talk about craft and we have these monthly dinner parties, but it's like super structured. In fact, Laura and I were like, maybe we should help Eric with the structure of our director's meetings. Because like you only have to no, like a minute to make your intro and then you move on. So yeah. Film Fatale, so that's that's incredible. How did you come to know about it? It has different, it has chapter in New York, it has a chapter in LA, it has a chapter, it has a chapter in all the big cities, and Austin has a Film Fatale's chapter. I there see. were seven of us. <laughs> and in LA, it's like 300. Wow, so, so 300 people all get together for this meeting? No, it's like 50, it's kind of rotating, it's actually kind of complicated because there are so many women who mm-hmm. want to go. 
I don't know. I'm not in charge of it. It sounds and so you cool. I want to go from going. Mm-hmm. It's just for networking. It's for networking. I mean, it's also cool because we'll we'll so the meetings work like you introduce yourself, what you're working on, and then whoever hosts gets to pick the topic. Mm-hmm. So, what was last week's top? Last week's topic was like delegating or something. It's been like representation. It's been directing action. It's been it's whatever. It's like craft based discussions, and then you go around. The coolest part, you go around and you give an you have an ask or a give. And you say, like, I'm looking for a production designer, and then people raise their hand, and afterwards they say, hey, I have someone for you. Or I have a give, like, I can read a script this week. Who wants script notes? This is kind of like great community Sounds building so thing. awesome. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really cool. Again, it's like you wouldn't meet them because we're all up for the same jobs. Right, right. You know, I'm not right. going to meet. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good group. That is cool. Yeah. Wow. Wow. A lot well, of great stuff from yeah. Carlin over here. I feel like the verdict is clear. Move to L.A., but maybe build your network before you go. And right. build your reel. I mean, like, I, I directed most of the stuff that has gotten me jobs in Austin or in mm-hmm. Texas, whatever, from companies out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Because it just was easier for me to start there. One last question. Did, did you know when the right time was to move? Like, were you like, this is it? No. Good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You just kind of like... It's kind of an, I kind of came here accidentally. It was like ex-boyfriend. a sale flights. Oh, ex-boyfriends. Ex-boyfriend situation. Yeah. They'll do it. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, my wife ended up here. Really? She, she followed like a boyfriend and now she's like an actor. Yeah. Starring in Yokai Watch Wibble Wobble commercials. But I think having a network, just tapping into whatever network you come from is helpful, right? It's like you see all sure. the people who went to AFI, they all hire each other. USC, yeah. whatever. I, I Matt's like an a, SC guy. I'm an SC guy. And every week he's like, oh, sorry, I can't, can't go to your birthday party. I got a drinks really? thing with my SC guys. Yeah. None my of, SC friends. None of that stuff I got from SC. Hmm. Like all of my abilities as a networker mm-hmm. all came afterwards. Hmm. I'm trying to think of an opportunity. I, I have relationships. I mean, half SC, your crew like, is from Essie. Yeah, but I, but none of the opportunity, like n- I haven't gotten a single pitch or a single like meeting with a development executive through Essie. Hmm. I'm pretty well, sure. Maybe one or two. Should have gone UCLA. Should have. Yeah. Should have done it. Cool. Well, so do you know about unpaid endorsements? Yes. Unpaid endorsements. I have one. Oh, cool. <laughs> Uh, uh, last week, there's this like my commercial directing idol is Alma Harrell. Do you know who that is? No. She started this initiative called Free the Bid, and it is amazing. And so she has convinced a bunch of big production companies and agencies to include at least one female director on every bid, because it's you know, we didn't talk that much, but there's just so few female commercial directors in general. I mean, like, I can't tell you how many times people have been like, you're the director or wow, I've never met a female commercial director. So it's an opportunity to just, it's a, it's a way to get more women, you know, on bids and jobs. And so, so it's just like an alliance basically where everyone's kind of, kind of agreed, Hey, this is just what we're doing from now yeah, on. Yeah. I mean like she has a website and then, uh, she has female commercial directors listed that you can look at their reels. They're the big ones. They're like at caviar and epoch mm-hmm. and pretty bird and blah, blah, blah. And then a few big agencies have taken the pledge like mother, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of other ones and some brands have, 
but she's like actively looking for more people i think to join that that Pretty sounds cool. incredible yeah yeah it's tough because i've, I've thought so many times like how because other women always come up to me and say like how do you get into commercials you know how do you give me a job and i'm like i'm still trying to get the jobs too so it's yeah. like hard for me to get other people in the room but it's a way she's also like a huge commercial director so sure. she's like at a point in her career too where i think she can help sure, other women she's, she's making enough cash she's not quite yeah. so worried about it but that's yeah. i mean what a perfect time to help people out. So so it's called Free the Bid. Is there a website? Is it yeah. freethebid.com? Or? Yeah, I think it's freethebid.com. It's also a hashtag. Hashtag free the bid. It's all awesome. over Twitter. And there was a Mashable article about it. Great. Well, we will have uh, a link to that on the show notes. Cool. Yeah, cool. Incredible. What um, about y'all? Do you do one? Uh, yeah, me? yeah, we do. Yeah, I've got actually a Texas appropriate one. I saw the movie uh, Hell or High Water today. Fucking A, you guys. So good. Like, like it reaffirmed my faith in cinema good i really loved it so uh it's like a modern western right about two bank robbers and then two uh texas rangers on the trail of these bank robbers it's like pretty straightforward it's like it feels like a classic movie in in that way like who's in it it's uh chris pine ben foster the two bank robbers ben foster's incredible like transformed you would not recognize him so good so good and then Jeff Bridges is the ranger in his, inc- like, maybe the best performance of his career. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Really? Better than that one where he's that singer guy? <laughs> it's better than, uh, oh. Crazy Horse? Crazy What's Horse. Crazy Horse. So I haven't seen Crazy Horse, so I'm not sure. But uh, people don't love that movie as much as the is performance. This, mm-hmm. this is a great movie and also a really beautiful, heartbreaking, incredible performance. It's right. great. Way better than The Big Lebowski. You're going to make a lot of <laughs> listeners angry. Yeah, People man. love that movie. I do love that movie. Performance-wise, I'll say it's better, okay. categorically. I like Teller High Water, but I didn't love it as much as other people. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was solid, but I was like, okay, it's forgettable. It's like a good movie, but then I was like, all right, whatever. It, it, it's not remarkable beyond its performance. Like, story-wise, it's pretty straightforward, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, if it doesn't, like, kick you in the gut, if it doesn't connect... It, I get how it could be forgettable. I just was in the right mood at the right time. Yeah. I was like pretty anxious already. It's uh-huh. like a pretty high-strung thriller. So, I, boy, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful timing for me. Cool. Cool. I'll check it out. You guys should also check out The Night Of. I mean, I know everyone's talking about it, but it's because the title is so lame. I like <laughs> never wanted to watch it. And then finally someone's like, oh, it's pretty good. And then I watch it and it was pretty good. It's yeah. pretty much serial, and uh, you're right. A or dramatized like how to make how to what's that making it away a with mur- making a murder? Oh, making a murder. Not that show. Make it's yeah. like it's like a narrative making a murderer. Kinda. Yeah, except it's a narrative serial because yeah. it's about a Muslim guy. <laughs> oh <laughs> that yeah, that might or might not have committed a crime. But uh, I had to make a new website, and I wanted, you know, everyone that is smart and has a unique enough name gets like their name dot com. But OrenKaplan.com is already taken and you know we had matt pollock on the show and his he used to be an editor and his website was mattedits.com and now that he's a director and got mattdirects.com and i didn't want to copy him exactly and get orandirects.com it would have been okay though for listeners out there right so that's what i want to do i want to give everyone permission to take their first name directs.com or what i ended up doing was I got directed by oran.com but i'm telling our listeners they should all go by if your name is matt well, yeah. Matt directs is already taken, but directed by <laughs> Matt isn't. But go buy that URL because it's a pretty cool 
a URL that tells people what you do, mm-hmm. and it's easy to remember, I think. That's good. My wife really wanted me to get directed by orrenkaplan.com, but it just looked way too long. It's long. You could get both. Yeah, you right? should. Then you can click, right? Then yeah. you could, whatever, they go to the same place. Yeah. You can redirect, just like justshootitpodcast.com and justshootitpod.com. Oh. Yeah. So you should go check out that website if you want to see links to Carlin's stuff and everything we talked about today. Carlin, where can we learn more about you on the internet? Probably my website, carlinhudson.com. C-A-R-L-Y-N, because I have a tough name. Almost as cool as directedbycarlin.com. I know. But hey, hmm. I'm going to buy it. It may still be out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for, <laughs> thank you, Orange, for my birthday. Yeah, it's well, cyber it's gonna... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool, and uh, I'm at Smitey Pileg. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. If you want to learn more about the show, you can visit JustShootItPod.com, like we talked about, or follow us on Twitter at JustShootItPod. Music was by Jazar, and this episode was edited by Eric Cropot. Thanks, Eric. See you later. Bye.